The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Thanks for listening to the latest Football Digest podcast, available on all major podcast platforms. Subscribe now through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, or wherever you get your podcasts from, so you don't miss a single episode. Hello and welcome to the Daily Digest on the Football Digest. I'm Joe Cooper and I'm joined by Mark Jones and Alex Richards and we're going to talk through the League Cup and whether it's pointless. It is, of course, the most exciting week in the footballing calendar. The League Cup third round, the one that everybody's been waiting for, apart from Jurgen Klopp, who doesn't even attend the press conferences and makes about 11 changes for the games. But in all seriousness, we're going to talk about the League Cup third round. We're in the midst of it at the moment. There were some games last night on Tuesday night. There are also some games tonight. Uh, so we're going to talk through the results from last night, the games tonight, and the effect that this has on the Premier League sides. Um, Pep Guardiola's also been speaking about having under-23 Premier League teams in the Football League, which is a, you know a bit of a contentious issue. So we'll go over that as well, as well as some other things. But Mark, we'll start with you. Um, Jurgen Klopp obviously doesn't care about the League Cup because, as I say, he doesn't even attend the press conferences and he makes a lot of changes. So you know, as a fan, does that kind of make you not care about it either if the manager doesn't care? Um, I don't think he's the only one, is he? But he... I actually think the bigger clubs don't mind it as much as you say because it gives them... It gives them a chance to give a lot of their squad players a game. Um, and there's not that really boring thing we get every year with the FA Cup when you get people talking about the tradition and all that sort of stuff because what's just, the tradition of the League Cup is is pretty much this, given certainly in the last sort of 20, 25 years, perhaps <clears throat> go back to maybe, uh, I sort of remember Arsenal with, under Wenger was, was one of the first ones to really introduce kind of huge sweeping changes. But if you're a club like Liverpool and a squad that they have, there are going to be players within that who you can't keep happy because they're going to want to play games. So you look at Minamino, who scored a couple of goals, Origi, Oxlade-Chamberlain, even someone like Curtis Jones, who's risen up to become you know more of a, more of a sort of squad member than than he was before when he was younger. So I actually think falling when it does in the season, they probably don't mind it as much because it's still early on and it kind of gives just people a, a game to kind of get their eye in and, and, and to keep on sort of stay fit, really. Um, for a club of Liverpool size, for a club of... I think the, the real problem is your clubs, your sort of mid-table mid, mid sort of table clubs who've already wondering about what they're going to do in the season, worrying about getting drawn into a relegation battle or, you know, or maybe prioritising for a potential European tilt. If you're Liverpool, who you pretty much know you're going to be in the top four, then you can, you can sort of chop and change things. And against a side like Norwich, who made their own changes because they've got their own issues. So, um, no, I don't actually think the clubs mind it as much as, as, as you say there, to be honest. And, um, and they'll see it, they'll see a fair bit of positives in it um, in these early stages anyway. Alex, what do you think? Should, should we care? Should should big clubs care? Should should any club care, really? I think, of course, they should care. And I think that they do care. They all want to, you know, Mark makes a good point there that your bigger clubs, definitely, it's an, they see it as an opportunity to 
to give their youngsters more exposure and get them some more first-team action, they don't see it as a problem. And you see Man City obviously dominating a competition in recent years. At the end of the day, it's a trophy for them all and running a limited amount of trophies to go round for the, for the so-called elite. Um, the good point that Mark makes is that your medium to lower Premier League clubs, it's an issue for them because they haven't got the squads that are as good and... <laughs> They're only, they're only, you know, sick a couple of games in the Premier League from, from a crisis and from a relegation battle. So it can offer them relief. But how does it look if you're Norwich today and you've made X amount of changes to your starting lineup? And yes, you've got to give some of your players a chance to impress and, and a chance to get minutes as well. How does it look to your fans when you're getting turned over 3-0 by Liverpool's kids? Um, it doesn't look good at all. Um I think the League Cup is is just an interesting one in that it always starts this way. It's always that the youngsters get a chance, second string players, fringe players get opportunities. And then as we hit the semi-finals and the final and the big boys still remain, they take it much more seriously when there's some silverware on the line. Personally, I, I like it. I, I, I think there's all this talk about, oh, eventually it's going to get faded out and it's people are going to get rid of it. I don't see why you need to. I think if, we, if teams treat this as, as what it is, it isn't, it isn't, very much your top priority but it is a chance to win something and it's a chance for each team to to effectively treat it as they wish do you do you want to go out and win it by playing your first team do you want to give your fringe players opportunities do you want to give your young players opportunities we're now at a stage where you are all managers are capable of doing this and and fans really kind of look at it and go okay i think the only issue comes when you're when you're paying x amount for a ticket as a fan to go to the game beforehand thinking you're going to see a first team and then you get there and you see nine under 20s in the starting 11. I think that's when you get issues. I think as long as there's transparency throughout, I don't see any real problem with how teams approach it or, or how it's used. Just looking down the list of results from last night, um, it's a bit of a mixed bag, as you'd expect. I think pretty much, in fact, I'd look before and all the Premier League teams did make wholesale changes, but Brentford still managed to beat Oldham 7-0, but I think Oldham are rooted to the bottom of League 2, which would make them the lowest-ranked team in the competition. Burnley beat Rochdale 4-1, Jay Rodriguez got four goals, so presumably Jay Rodriguez um, has you know likes the League Cup. Uh, Leeds beat Fulham on pens, City beat Wickham 6-1, actually went behind, which was a, a bit of a shock, but you know, when City went behind, I looked at their team and actually Guardiola kind of surprisingly um, took it a little bit more seriously than everybody else because he kind of it was his defense was very much academy based. But then I think he played De Bruyne, Foden, uh, Torres, Sterling, and Mares, which you know for any other team w- would be a first team. Um, and then we saw Everton go out, uh, Southampton scrape through, um, Watford got beaten by Stoke three one. And but yeah, I, I think you're right. I think it is basically those kind of middling teams who you know are really going to struggle with it because they can't sort of draft in a second 11 like some of the bigger clubs can but just looking ahead to some of the games tonight um there are some some kind of bigger games here we've got Wolves v Spurs we've got Man United v West Ham Chelsea v Villa we've got Arsenal against the AFC Wimbledon that could provide something of an upset um you would think that Arsenal would come through that um, but Mark, what do you think about these games? Do you think it's going to be the same again? Do you think we're going to see wholesale changes, or do you think that any of the Premier League teams might, um, you know, stick out first eleven? Just thinking about Spurs, you know, they kind of they need a win, really, don't they? They can't really afford to lose another game in terms of confidence-wise. Yeah, I think you'll see a, a kind of mix and match situation, um, which is kind of when you talk about City. Like I know we talk, oh, it's a, it's a week. Like we seem to say, 
it's a weak team, it's a strong team. You know, you can you can do something in between. And that Man City team was full of players who needed a game. Man, you know, talking about what I think it's 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 a handy time of the season for a lot of the bigger sides. It's because Kevin De Bruyne needed a game. You know, he's he's an absolutely wonderful footballer. We all know, and we all expect in a month or two's time he's going to be, you know, standout player in the Premier League and doing all the things we know he does. But he needs games. He needs fitness. He needs a bit of rhythm. And the same can be said for some of those players who are in and out of the City team, Mares, Sterling. You know, we can we can sort of almost laugh about it and go, oh, you know, Wickham, uh, Wickham are playing against these great players. But that game was just as you know, important for Kevin De Bruyne as, as as Wickham there because he wants to get, you know, he wants to get up to speed. He doesn't. We all know these are you know wonderful footballers, but they're not superhumans. They need to get rhythm and. You saw it with Liverpool as well last night. He, he brought on Andy Robertson for half an hour because he wants Andy Robertson to get some games because he's had a bit of a stop start sort of beginning to the season. So I expect the same tonight. Chelsea, um, Arsenal, I mean, Tottenham, yeah, you're probably right. Tottenham less so because they've had their issues recently and, and um, they've got the sort of conference league as well, which, which they've had to sort of drop and change things for. So, um, no, it's... Like, <laughs> Going back to sort of these these teams, you know, as Alex said, there it, it wouldn't shock you if if Man City are in the semi-finals, Liverpool, Man United. Yeah, these first few these first few rounds, you, you're going to see players who you probably won't see again for the rest of the season. Some of those kids who played for Liverpool last night, you probably won't see them maybe in the next round. But um, so I do. I I think we we get a little bit transfixed as like, oh, are they taking it seriously? I think they are, and and they they use they use it as as kind of best they can because they've got they're thinking three four five games ahead. They're thinking they want Kevin De Bruyne fit to play PSG in the Champions League next week, so he needs to get minutes in his legs now. Um, and the same can be said for other sides with with their key players as well. Alex, after Manchester City's game, Pep Guardiola hinted that he would like. And, you know, as Mark says there, a lot of his players got to run out and, and Guardiola hinted that he would like his academy players, Manchester City's under-23s, to be playing against teams like Wickham every single week. Um, and you can infer from that that what he wants is, you know, a Man City B team in in the Championship, maybe in League One, as we see in other countries, which is, you know, a, a very contentious issue given that, um, you know, the English pyramid is very strong. We see, you know, attendances of... You know, t- tens of thousands sometimes in the lower league, certainly in League One, um, and below that as well. Um, so it, it is a very contentious issue, but I don't know what you think about it because it would obviously be a very good thing for the likes of Manchester City. It might be a good thing for the likes of Liverpool, Chelsea, you know, even Arsenal, the big teams essentially. But do we want a situation where the big teams are able to strengthen themselves even more by holding even more young players and then then being able to play them in you know Championship, League One, League Two, etc. I think you've answered your own question now, haven't you? It's, it's, about, them hoarding, it's, about, them hoarding, it's about them hoarding their own players, isn't it? And, and if Pep wants his young players to go and get these experiences, loan them out. Loan them out to the, the lesser clubs. And OK, big clubs don't particularly like doing that now because there's no guarantees players are going to play. There's certain... We've seen a number of young players go on loan moves in previous years and, and those loan moves get cut short. They play three or four games, they get hooked off after 45 minutes in a couple of them because just quite frankly, the manager at that club decides they're not quite up to it. Um, I always think that your cream will rise to the top and 
your really, really outstanding kids will go on loan and will thrive if they are that good. Um, the English football pyramid is unlike anything else in, in world football. It is, it is stronger than any other league, in, uh, particularly in Europe, when you go down and down and down. Um, nowhere else has four, four divisions that are all professional and then even your non-league it is pretty much all professional now, the very top tier of that. Um, so what, why would you dilute it with under 23 sides and, and the like? I, I don't think it's something that we really want to get into doing. Um, there are obviously issues in the Football League with, you know, we've seen Derby County at the moment, clubs being mismanaged very poorly. But that isn't something that this should really be used to take, adva- take advantage of in this way. Um, I don't think there's a place really for an under-23 team to be, to be in the Football League and be, and be used. We've seen... We've seen, obviously, the Papa John's Trophy and, and under 23 teams being used in that. And this is very much going to continue because under 23 football, in my opinion, isn't really fit for purpose. Not like old reserve team football was. Um, and you're seeing more and more teams now bringing in a kind of a, a, an experienced veteran. Man United do with Paul McShane. Ollie Lancashire does it at Southampton, 32, 33, 34, 35-year-olds coming in and playing exclusively under 23 football to kind of teach their younger pros what is, what is needed and what they, how to grow effectively. The situation here is that under 23 football, for me, as I've said, isn't fit for purpose. That needs looking at rather than bringing under 23 teams into the Football League. I guess Pep's argument against loaning out players, which is obviously the, the sort of traditional way of developing a player is that these days it's not just about sending a player out to you know give them experience it's about getting them to learn to play in you know the man city way if you like so well, yeah of it, course but then you, that's that's all about the development of man city then isn't it it's, it's not about the development of that young player that young player needs to go and learn different types of football it needs to be put in different difficult situations um man city loaned out morgan rogers last year to lincoln city uh morgan rogers was a player that they spent about four million pounds from West Bromwich Albion to sign him as a 15, 16 year old, very talented player. They loaned him out to Lincoln for a year, then sold him to Bournemouth for 12 million. It's worked out well in that case. They, they can't have it every which way. Um, they've made eight million off Morgan Rogers there. They wouldn't have got 12 million for Morgan Rogers if they'd have just kept him in the under 23s last season. It, it, it's one of those things where, you know, you can't have it your own way all the time, which seemingly is what Pep wants. Well, yeah, that's all, that's all he wants because he is the Manchester City manager and he is being employed by their owners and he's doing the things that are in the, to the best interest of Manchester City. He doesn't, he, and he shouldn't have to care about other stuff. So, no, know, he, shouldn't, he, he shouldn't, but he, like, he does like to pontificate on it. Oh, he does. And, and you can, you know, you, I'm sure that we, can, we can spend a lot of time on some of the things that football managers say and what they mean and all sorts of things. But, um, but no, you think someone like, I was thinking when you were saying there, um, someone like Patrick Roberts, who was yeah. a similar similar sort of example with 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 City, um, but then you've got the case of so last night they're playing all these kids in the in the Carabao Cup game and the Papa John's game was on the same night, so so you've already got the situation where the, obviously the best kids aren't playing because I don't know about you but whenever I look at this Papa John stuff it always seems to be that the the bigger size kids are losing you know they're not they're not necessarily wiping the floor with teams but a lot of the times well the best kids from that team are, are going to be in the first team set up anyway they're going to be training with the first team they're going to be playing league cup games so 
it, it's almost like obviously I, it, the Papa John stuff was kind of brought in, I think, as a bit of a obviously very unpopular at first, wasn't it? It was brought in as a bit of a kind of halfway house between this idea of youth teams in the in the league. But they've brought it in and they've not really sort of given really it any worked. sort of go. And 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 I mean, you you've got to go back to the the Super League stuff to show. I mean, how protective we are of of the sort of pyramid, and and rightly so. And um, you know, I don't I, I don't think as as you said the the stuff that Pep comes out and talks about young players in the in the lower leagues. It's about nothing more than Manchester City getting getting money for players and the occasional one getting promoted into the first team and. And they can, you know, they can sort of live off that like a Phil Foden or whatever. So it does come from kind of looking after yourself, but that's 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 football, isn't it? <laughs> it's, it's not it, it's not it's not news for us that we 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 see it on a, on a regular basis. Um, I'm surprised he he brought it up again after this because I think surely he must know by now. It's a very unpopular opinion in this country, and 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 it's just I just don't ever see it really happening. So, um, you know, if it was up to him, I'm sure we'd be doing lots of things differently as well. So he'd probably have more fans in the ground, wouldn't he? He's more yeah. that, and, and, and also, how do you bring, how do you bring them in? If, if, yeah. you, if Man City want to put their under-23 team in, where, what league are they going in now? Exactly. They're not going straight into the Football League. We're not going straight into the non-league Premier or anything like that. Do they start at the very bottom, tier 9, tier, tier 100, whatever? I mean, there's, a, you know? there's an argument for saying, you know, why don't they look after a local team more so like, like a berry or whatever why yeah. why why don't they sort of take more interest in them and then they can sit they can give them three or four players a year if they want but more but more importantly they're called berry and they play a berry and that's the fans you know it's not called manchester city d or whatever um and you know there's an argument there and that's something that i mean the sort of football league um the way it's been regulated for so long we've all seen it we've all seen it go disastrously wrong for a while now um so if you actually want to make a difference then then how about having these sort of conversations and not the same old tired ones of yeah. b teams in the in the leagues it's just it, it, it's not it's, it's not right is it i think i think one interesting thing that we've seen uh i think chelsea have done they've actually loaned out um an assistant manager to, to ic wimbledon now perhaps that's the kind of thing that more clubs if pep is interested in this kind of situation need to do Right, loan loan some of your younger coaches out to football league clubs. Loan them a couple of players, and and do it that way. Work that way around it, and that will be good for for your youth coaches to get first team experience and deal with senior players. It'll be good for your young players to go out and get experience dealing with senior football. I think that's kind of a thing where you know a bit of creativity, like Chelsea have shown. I think it's it's James Simmons who's gone on loan to AC Wimbledon. Um, I think that's the kind of way to work. Right, be a bit creative. Do it that way, and then you'll still be able to keep tabs on your players. They will be able to get that opportunity that you want, and it also gets some of your younger coaches more experience as well. Um, but just just throwing your your under twenty threes in the football league, no, no, not for me. That's an interesting point about loaning the assistant coach. I didn't know that. I didn't know that was a thing. Um, so maybe you know, as you say, forging links with you know a, a local club would, would be beneficial uh, yeah. for everybody. Club, these big clubs want to, uh, you know, City Football Group. You know, New York City FC, Melbourne, Troyes in France. They've got all these club links around. Forge a link with a lower league club in, in the same way. Don't rebrand them as Manchester City Juniors or whatever. Forge a link with 
as Mark said there, Berry would have been a perfect example. You could have come in and saved Berry at a time when they were absolutely desperate, but they didn't. You know, there are those sorts of things that they can look at doing, which I think just, would be better. Just going back to why I brought it up, because obviously it is a contentious issue. I'm not even sure he was asked about it, actually. I think he did literally just bring it up, which was a little bit of a strange one. And then... We just did, brought did, up fans last week and look how that went. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's obviously just on one at the moment. Um, but then afterwards he said, oh, I'm not trying to transform anything. I was like, well, he's kind of stirred the pot a bit there. Um, but just speaking about the, the interest of the big teams, and they will be viewing the League Cup, as we mentioned before, in the sense of how can they use this to benefit the rest of their season, i.e. playing their fringe players, um, and how they can use it to you know, benefit their you know, charge for the Premier League title or the Champions League. But just on the Premier League title, we do have four teams at the moment where, you know, firstly, can they keep it all up? Will one fall away? Because I can't think of a time since I started paying attention to football when there's been four teams as strong as these. There have probably been teams individually as strong, but I can't think of a time, correct me if I'm wrong, that there have been four teams as strong as these that we have currently. I do think Brighton will fall away, to be honest. Um, <laughs> good start, 12 points from, from five games, but I do think they'll fall. Nah, Break that. Very brave. I think I think we go back to when there was the so-called Big Four: um, Liverpool, Chelsea, Man United, Arsenal in the mid-noughties, and then that obviously extended to your Big Six with Spurs and Man City. I mean, quite how Spurs got themselves into that is quite amazing because apart from that one season when Leicester won a title, they've not really ever been close to being champions. so, yeah, but that's, that's another issue. I think you've got four teams now, Chelsea, Liverpool, Man United, Man City. They are going to be the top four this season. I think we can all agree on that. They all, it, that looks to be the way it's going. Um, I know which one I think will fall away. I'm interested to see if Mark has any thoughts himself. I think this, this four are a lot... Like when you talk about the big four in the past, I think this four are stronger. Purely because... There's a, I mean, there's a massive and a wage difference for starters between that four and most of the ones below. And obviously there's Arsenal and Tottenham who kind of hover there. Um, also, we've seen what Liverpool and City have done, haven't we, recent years? Yeah, and well, yeah, exactly. So you've got, you've got two clubs there who know what it takes to win the Premier League in this sort of era. And I think it will take the same again. It's going to take going at a 95-point pace, I think. 95 to 100 points going at that pace because to sort of burn everyone off um, and you've got Liverpool and City who've both done that um, Chelsea who look like they could do it and Manchester United who if things are sort of with a fair wind could do it but you kind of feel as though they're the one who've got enough like most things to kind of go wrong because whereas Liverpool and Man City and increasingly Chelsea our teams, you know, they, they look as though they're, their system, how it all works, how everyone's sort of, although City, you know, City's perhaps got the potential to go wrong because it's so based on Guardiola and, and his kind of mood almost. Um, United is a collection of very good players who can win you matches at any moment, but don't necessarily convince you from the team side. So, um, it's going to take, it's, it's basically going to take, I, th- I think it's going to take 95 points to win the league and it's going to be, and it's why things like Man City drawing at home to Southampton is a bigger deal 
than it should be five weeks into the season because that you just it's relentless. You 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 really can't afford to to drop points at the moment. Um, so I, I yeah, it'll be those four. I think by a long way as well. Um, I see Man United probably just forward away, and then and the other three. I mean, you look at Liverpool's going to rely on injuries and stuff. City, I think, is going to rely on Guardiola not burning everyone's head out. And then Chelsea are going to rely on kind of keeping this great momentum that they've got at the moment. And, and you'd have to say the way it's looked, Chelsea look as though they, they are able to do that. It's, it's a case of when one or two things start going wrong, how, how do they react to that? And how do they react to, you know, now the Champions League's going again and, and, and um, you know, the relentless nature of, of the matches. But it's really shaping up to be a very strong title race. And as I say, very similar to those ones with Liverpool and City where it's just going to be win, win, win every week. Go on, Alex, you had a little grin on your face before when you said you were interested to see who Mark thinks is going to fall away. So you must have had somebody, <laughs> no, have had somebody I... at the back of your mind who you think is going to fall away. Yeah, and I figured he'd agree. With, he'd, he'd, he'd have the same kind of thing. I'd, I think Chelsea, Liverpool, Man City are all very free, outstanding teams. Um, the, we both have seen City and Liverpool absolutely dominate and run the course before. We saw Chelsea under Tuchel win the Champions League and they are, as Gary Neville calls them, ominous at the moment. What we haven't seen from them is them have a bad patch, I don't think, under him. Um, and it will be interesting if there is, if one of those does come, how do they react? How do, how do they navigate their way through it and how do they get out of it the other end? Um, Man United, we've spoken before and I've made my point clear, but when you spend that amount of money on Jadon Sancho, Rafael Varane, you had Cristiano Ronaldo at the end of the window, you have to go from just being a team that makes progress to a team that wins. And you have to win silverware this season. No two ways about it. I still don't see them as being capable of doing it. I think in the biggest games, one-off games, yes, they can still, they have match winners. But they're still over-reliant on those singular players producing real moments of quality. Um, West Ham at the weekend was a perfect example of that. Jesse Lingard scores um, a superb goal win the game. when really they had dominated the ball in a way that you don't often see United dominate the ball. Um, they really pinned West Ham back. But did they really do enough to deserve to win before Lingard got that goal out of nothing? I'd argue no. And then as soon as they did go into that position, you're thinking, right, you've got a couple of minutes, contain, see it out. They go and give away a, a stupid penalty by letting West Ham just, just attack and. I still think there are issues there with United as a team that, that over the course of this season are going to cost them. Um, for all their match winners, for all the qualities of Bruno Fernandes, of Greenwood, Rashford, Sancho, Ronaldo, Cavani, there are still just issues with that team and, and they, they don't, they're not as, as dominant as the other three. They don't really, you, 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 you get chances against United that you perhaps don't get against the others and you get them with increased regularity. Um, United have won four, drawn one so far this season. But you look at the games they've played, they were very fortunate to come away from the game against Wolves with, with all three points. You can argue they're fortunate to have got that win at West Ham. They drew at Southampton, easily could have lost that. Um, probably, you know, the Greenwood goal was very fortunate. They didn't really create a lot outside of that. So I just think that they are, as it stands, a little bit below the other three. Um, and unless they really improve, 
their overall kind of state and and the midfield organisation and that kind of stuff, I don't see them being able to keep up the pace with the others who just look like they've got much more relentlessness about them. Um, And especially Liverpool now that they've got players. This is the Liverpool of a couple of years ago, not last season. They look well set for it again. And, And the only worry about City for me is, do you have a regular goal scorer? You've got a lot of players who will chip in and you've got you're going to create so many chances, but do you have that that twenty goal a season man like Chelsea having Lukaku, like Liverpool having Salah? I think such is the strength of the Premier League this season that we may well see and you know, obviously it might not happen, but we, we could well see another all Champions League final with, with with English teams and you know it could even be, you know, three or four in the semi finals. And but it does feel like a little bit of a certainly in the rest of Europe, almost a changing of the guard at the moment we see Barcelona. Who've been the dominant team for years, um, and now kind of just, just a mess. Kind of like, um, total utter mess. <laughs> Real Madrid, um, not as strong as they were, not a mess, but you know, not as strong as they were. Um, but one of the teams that were supposed to be going into this season, and probably are still favourites for the Champions League, actually. And you were there this week, Alex. We're going to finish on you were there at PSG, um, and we finally saw Lionel Messi killing Mbappe and Neymar up front, but. Um, it didn't quite go to plan, did, did it really? So we saw PSG start the Champions League with a draw against Bruges and easily a game they could have lost. Um, on that night, Pochettino plays Messi on a front three. They play Leon at the weekend and he completely just changes that up again. He has Neymar out on the left and Mbappe through the middle. Messi as a, a number 10 just directing traffic in behind and Angel Di Maria playing out wide on the right to keep some width. Um, and all right, they get through the game and they win and, and it's a 93rd minute winner from Mauro Riccardi. They are perfect in Ligue 1 so far this season. Um, and, and to be quite frank, I don't see anybody stopping them. They're already five points clear. It's their title to lose and it's not going to be a situation like we had last season with Lille coming from nowhere and winning it. Um, but the balance still doesn't seem right. Um, Ginny Wijnaldum didn't start at, at the weekend. Ander Herrera and Idrissa Gay both played. And whatever your take on both of the qualities of those two footballers, they get through a hell of a lot of amount of work. And frankly, they need to if that, that is going to be the front four. And, and it is because Messi, Neymar and Mbappe are always going to play. Um, the quality of all three is undoubted. Um, and PSG won this game because Neymar won himself a penalty and then coolly converted it. Mbappe teased one up for Ricardi at the back post. Mbappe had, for me, a horrible night. Nothing was going right for him until the 93rd minute where he gets to byline and he stands up a perfect cross. Messi, in this new role, he's, he's at the centre of everything in the same way we always used to see at Barcelona, where everybody's looking for him. There are moments when he is... He's going two yards to a midfielder to get the ball. He's got a man right up behind him. The midfielder he's going to receive the ball from can see the entire pitch, but he still gives it to him. Um, so he's, he's really dominating in that respect. And on what was a frustrating night for him, he had a lot of chances and he created a lot of opportunities for teammates. He forced a really good save. He hit the crossbar with a free kick from 30 yards. And then obviously he gets taken off 15 minutes to go, score at 1-1 and there's a bit of controversy that he doesn't shake hands with Pochettino and, and that. I think PSG do, in, in, a, in a way we've spoken about Man United there, but they need to make some changes just for their overall structure. If PSG want to finally end this Champions League obsession they have and 
and finally win it, they're going to need to find a better balance because right now it's not there. Um, no doubt Sergio Ramos being fit eventually will help that because he's a serial winner and they've got a very good crop of defenders. You've got Marquinhos, Presnel Kimpembe. You've got Ashraf Hakimi as a wing-back is outstanding. What they do miss, though, is, is just that balance in that midfield and, and can they... Can they create some sort of team structure, which we saw Pochettino do at Spurs and the structure he had there for a long period was excellent. Can he create a team structure that gets the best out of this front three but will not give up chances at the other end? Because at the moment, they are very, I don't want to say easy to play against, but Leon showed that with a bit of pace out wide and, and up top and, and good technical players in midfield who will take the ball under pressure, you can get at them and, and they are beatable. And that's something that for the rest of Europe, it's just all there for them because they've all got good players and they've all got good technical players in the middle who will be able to hurt them. Was there like, um, you know, like we'll have, we'll have both seen Messi play for Barcelona a few times and, and because it's Messi, because it was, you know, because he, he was who he was, you got that sense that they were always looking to him all the yeah. time, getting the ball to him. Absolutely. With PSG, is that still there? Because there's Neymar, there's Mbappe, there's other, there's, you know, it, do you, do you still see that? Is what I'm trying to say. And, and does Messi still kind of dominate in that sense? Even does he even dominate over Neymar, over Mbappe, kind of taking that, taking the game on by the scruff of the net? Certainly, at the weekend it looked that way. Certainly, it looked like everybody was superseding to him, um, and kind of expecting him to do that little bit extra. Uh, don't get me wrong; you still see that the, the glimpses of magic from from Neymar and Mbappe, and, and them trying to do what they've always done. But Neymar seems interestingly happy to take this secondary role to Messi and, and to move back to the, to the left side and to then try and link with him and play from there. Some of their interchange, as you would expect, absolutely magnificent. There was one little moment where he played a little one-two. Neymar effectively stands on the ball and just rolls it with the sole of his foot behind him for Messi to run clean for on goal. And it was brilliant. And unfortunately for PSG fans, his effort was saved. But there is, there is very much that... If Messi, Messi comes deep and demands the ball, they give him. Regardless if he's got a man on him, regardless if, if someone's in a better position to pass to, that seems to be there. And, and I think Neymar is getting himself into a position where, okay, I'm going to play from the left side. And, and, and we've seen him throughout his career play from that left side. He, he, that's where he likes to play and do his, most of his business and, and where he really damages teams. So I think he's adapting to it. I don't think Mbappe is really an out-and-out centre-forward that plays as the focal point of attack through the middle. And, and I don't think that's really where he's suited to playing. So I think that's interesting to see how, how they continue to adapt to that and whether they can get the best out of him in a way. Because, he, for, as I said, for about 92 minutes, he didn't really have a very happy night. And then he had, still had that one moment of quality at the end to, to create the winner. Um, I think it's going to be really interesting against Man City next week because you can imagine the reaction and the response if PSG are beaten, but you can also imagine the reaction and response if they go and if they beat City and then your social media is going to be a wash with C. This is PSG. They are, you know, they're going to be champions of Europe. All that kind of thing will undoubtedly explode. It's an interesting point because when I used to play FIFA, I don't play FIFA anymore, the video game, back in the day, Whenever he plays Barcelona and Real Madrid, 
I used to try and get the ball to Messi and Ronaldo constantly, and that made me a worse player. You know, Messi used to receive the ball, and I used to think, I've got to do something here, because it's Messi. And I kind of feel like it's like, like that a little bit in real life. You might laugh at me, you might disagree, but I do feel like it's a little bit I have like already that. laughed at you, yeah. <laughs> they probably think, oh, it's Messi, like, everything's got to go through do you him. Think- do you think that's how Pochettino shows them like, on FIFA? He gets it up there and goes, right, what you need to do? I think he might do, yeah. That, that might be how he there. does it. Yeah. But it's almost just like a little bit a little bit of a distraction, I think, in a team, you know, already with, with, with that many players. And it will be interesting to see if... When, when you've got what, so many already, you know, already great players who a lot of them have been used, for their entire lives, have been used to being one of, if not the best player for their team because how, you, don't, you don't get to be a professional football of a PSG if you're not incredibly talented at football and all of a sudden you've got him there and I guess it's different for Neymar because he's done it before and we all know how desperate he was to play with him again be that at Barcelona or or in Paris it's interesting now with Mbappe who is probably going to have this one season there and then that'll be it how he reacts to it because you know, he's, a, he's, a, he's in a hurry, isn't he, Mbappe? He wants to be the, the star. He wants to be that world star. He wants to be recognised as the best player in the world. In the long run, maybe a year, playing a year with Messi is going to help him with that. But right now, I wonder if he's a little bit like, you know, why aren't you looking at me? Why aren't you passing it to me? And, and I think that, certainly in the Champions League, and that's why you say the City game is very interesting because you'll see a lot more about kind of where, the, where they're at and um, I know Messi's going to be injured, isn't he, unfortunately, but um, you'll see kind of where they're at. And, and it, it's, it, it's very much a new team. You know, you throw in the likes of Wijnaldum they've signed and Ramos. Incredible sort of depth there. But can it all fit together? And we've seen, you know, we've seen so many occasions. We've seen, it goes back to the a, uh, a Man United thing we mentioned earlier, like sometimes just, just scattering with the best players doesn't necessarily make it work properly. So it'll be interesting to see how they go. In terms of the Champions League, I'd still, I'd still feel more confident in probably three of the four English teams being better suited to win that tournament than PSG at the moment. Yeah, yeah. look, I mean, it will be interesting to see whether Messi is enough. I still imagine and can see PSG getting you know, knocked out in the last day to like, you know, I don't know, Serge Gnabry from a corner or something because I just don't know if they've got that steal. But guys, I think we'll leave it there for this week. Mark, thanks for your time. Alex, thanks for your time. We'll be back tomorrow and indeed every other weekday with another episode of the Football Digest. Thank you very much for listening.